Welcome to AUKUS Amplified from the American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons, advancing hip and knee patient care through education, advocacy, research, and outreach. Hello and welcome to the AUKUS Amplified podcast. My name is Chad Kruger, and I'm a joint replacement surgeon up here in Philadelphia at the Rothman Institute. And I'm honored to be joined today by Dr. Hutch Huddleston down in Stanford. Hutch, can you give yourself an introduction? Yeah, thanks, Chad. And thanks very much for taking the time to speak with me today. I too am a uh, orthopedic surgeon. I uh, specialize in hip and knee replacements and I work at Stanford University. I also serve as the first vice president for the American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons. And I'm currently the chair for the steering committee for the American Joint Placement Registry. Well, thanks for that last point, especially because that's why we're on the call today. Now, the American Joint Replacement Registry has really taken off and gone leaps and bounds ahead of obviously where it was when it started many years ago. But certainly our work on that regard isn't done, right? And that's why we have you on the podcast today to kind of talk talk about some of those points in the future. If you wouldn't mind, could you highlight like one or two points that you're most proud of that we have today, kind of looking back and reflecting? And then another point or two of things that you really think we're close to achieving that will really help the registry going forward. Sure. Yeah. So we're getting ready to release the 10th annual report of the American Joint Placement Registry at our upcoming AUKUS annual meeting. And so we're very excited about that and uh, certainly very proud of everything that's been accomplished. And when the registry was conceived and data collection started in earnest in 2012, we really wanted to get an idea of sort of what was being put into our patients in the United States. We didn't really have a good holistic view of that. And so that was the primary intention. And if you look at what the forthcoming report is going to detail, it's reporting on over 3 million primary and revision hip and knee replacements performed in the United States by 100 surgeons at 4,500 hospitals and ambulatory surgery centers. So it's a a tremendous amount of data. And uh, I think that what was intended has been achieved. And now we want to work on building on the successes in that regard. Uh, it's excellent. You know, 10 years ago, it was just an idea and you know, to have 3 million something uh, you know, patients in there now is, is quite impressive. So kudos to yourself I know, and a lot of the rest of the team. I know it was a, a large effort to get there. One of the questions I had for you as well is how the AJR kind of works, right? Kind of the, the, the back and forth and the dashboard of how surgeons input things. So can you talk to me about some of the updates that are ongoing for that in terms of how you're trying to make the process a bit more streamlined for surgeons so more and more people can contribute? Sure. Yeah. So American Joint Placement Registry was initially part of American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons, and then it was spun out into its own entity, and then it was folded back into the academy about five years or so ago now. So we at AJR, or the American Joint Placement Registry, representing hips and knees is, is one of multiple modules that the academy has. The other modules are the American Spine Registry, which is a joint effort between the American Association of Neurologic Surgeons and the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons. There's a shoulder and elbow registry, a nascent trauma registry, and also a musculoskeletal tumor registry. So we are now just one of multiple modules But uh, having been around the longest and having the most robust uh, infrastructure, we uh, are the most mature. So the way it works now is that the academy, which owns AJR, has a contract with the hospital, not the individual surgeons. So it could be the hospital or their ASC. So the hospital is really responsible for inputting the information. 
And much of it is claims-based. We do have some other ways to get data in that require sort of manual labor. And given sort of what our lack of data completeness is, we know that we need to capitalize on all ways to sort of automate the input because uh, that's going to improve data uh, completeness and in the long run, improve the value that we bring to our stakeholders. Yeah, and, and, I, and I'm glad you, you brought up the value point because I, I do think that's something that you know is probably underappreciated is how much this data can be used to help surgeons and their hospitals kind of you know talk to talk to insurance companies and even just have a better understanding of their own quality metric outputs. And I, I hear that there there's some efforts to start to incorporate some patient reported outcomes possibly in the future for the AJR as well. Could, could you could you touch on that? Sure. Yeah. So patient reported outcomes have always been a significant component of the American Joint Placement Registry. And Kevin Bozick, who is a major proponent of this and our, our current academy president, has really been leading this effort. And so today, even though we don't have great numbers of hospitals submitting all of their patient reported outcomes, we do have a lot and we have the largest repository of patient reported outcomes of any register in the world. And as you know, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services have now made a performance measure out of patient-reported outcomes. And that effort is ongoing. We're in performance year two. The first two years are voluntary. And after the first year, CMS published institutions that participated in this voluntary submission of patient-reported outcomes. Year two, they are planning to publish not only who participated, but what percentage of their Medicare fee-for-service patients had a patient-reported outcome measure. And this is going to be a general health measure such as VR12 or PROMISE10 Global, and then a joint-specific score, which would be Coos Jr. or Coos Jr. They're going to report on what percentage of their Medicare fee-for-service patients actually had a preoperative prom, so in the three months before the operation, and then a one-year prom, which is, you know, give or take a few months from one year. So we're about to start year three. So in early April of 2024, there now will be real dollars that are changing hands based on your ability to collect these patient report outcome measures for your Medicare fee-for-service patients. So this has garnered a lot of attention. There's a work group at the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons that I am on that has helped to formulate sort of a tool to allow you to assess where you are in your proms journey and what you need to do to get to where you want to be. And we're just in the process of determining which we think are sort of preferred vendors to assist from the technology side about how to collect these proms. And we also have done a survey of our members, which wasn't the most robust response, but it, it was over 450 folks responded, but they sort of gave us good information that is subspecialty specific about sort of how important people think proms are and whether they're collecting them and perhaps more importantly, whether they're utilizing them. So the Academy is putting a lot of effort into this effort and there's no question that the CMS mandate that's looming, which has a pretty hefty penalty associated with it, is going to really propel this uh, endeavor forward. Yeah, and I mean, thanks for that, uh, you know, education. And one of the joys of talking with you is I become educated on something I, I didn't even, I, I thought it was already educated on. So that is really how obviously the field is going. I, I certainly don't see the, the efforts for patient report outcomes and value-based care diminishing. And this is something that AJR obviously has 
help grow within our own field. You know, it started with an idea more of just looking at implants, but it's really progressed to outcomes. And, and certainly as insurance companies become more uh, involved with this and CMS continues to wrestle with ideas, having surgeons participate in this is only going to become more important. Along those lines, Touch, what would be some pointers that you could give to surgeons? You know, this is obviously a surgeon champion driven and more of a grassroots type effort in many respects. Say I'm a, I'm a surgeon at a hospital and I, I really want my my hospital or my practice to become involved with AJRR. Where should they go first? Should they talk to hospital administration, their own administration, both at the same time? Uh, obviously, the, the dollars help when it comes to you know having some of these discussions in terms of what you can get back from CMS, but the hospitals may not always see those directly. So what are some pointers you can give to the hospitals to help them along in this regard? Yeah. So, you know, our vision for AJR is, it, is for the data to be used as sort of the principal quality tool for hip and knee replacement evaluation at your institution. So currently you have the ability to compare yourself to national benchmarks on the dashboards. But like anything, if the surgeons aren't using the data, then it's not of any value to them. And this space is very crowded, as you know. So there's companies like Vizient and Optum, and the list goes on and on and on. And they are tools that many hospitals use to assess what their quality is. And these are very important data. Obviously, that's why the businesses have been successful. But AJR really sees itself as being able to fill that space, but it's going to require surgeon engagement. So the collection of data, some of it can be passive, but we need surgeon champions leading these efforts. There's a fair amount of turnover of hospital administrators. And so the surgeon really needs to be the constant who's emphasizing, you know, this is the value of the data. These are, we want to use it and then using it actually for Q&A projects. And then in addition to that, staying on top of things about, you know, how are we doing a data completeness and things like that. So that's really where we would like AGR to be used. But as you said, we definitely need surgeon champions and the playbook, so to speak, for how to do proms collection is already out. The Academy uh, has it available. So you can go through it and use the toolkit and that'll really help you get there. But I would tell you one thing that's important is that don't underestimate the amount of effort that it takes to collect proms. And it's really, really a large lift. Having done this in an academic center, footing the bill myself for the last 19 years has been an arduous task. That's an expensive one. And we came nowhere close to 100% capture, even when we were pushing it. So I think there's some technologic solutions that really have it figured out and will greatly enhance your collection rates. So, you know, along those lines, we have a couple other projects that we're working on. So, you know, we have a lot of data, as I told you, on a lot of different things, but we would like to have sort of a core set of data elements or a so-called minimum data set that allows us to do adequate comparisons. So if we're missing data, we can't compare things, right? So we've finished a pilot with the minimum data set, which is approximately 10 different variables. And we picked intentionally sort of a range of hospital sizes, variations to see how we would do with the minimum data set. And some institutions we did great and some we didn't do so great. And the areas where we didn't have great surgeon engagement are where the completeness could be better. So we're in the process of sort of collating what we learned from the pilot. And then the next phase of this is going to be a soft launch of this minimum data set. And then eventually it's going to be a hard launch where you have to do this or we're not going to take 
take the data because it's incomplete and it's not of that much value to us. So that's a big shock and certainly a culture shock, but we need to work towards that to be able to do decent comparisons that have statistical leverage. And the other thing is, is in addition to that, we've also made some new dashboards that one will be more surgeon slash user friendly for your overall dashboard view. Uh, and that's through Registry Insights. We have streamlined the process by which you can log into the registry to see your dashboard from the Academy website. And then in, along with this effort of the minimum data set and the effort to enhance our data completeness, we have a new brand new dashboard that's based solely looking on the minimum data set variables and how you are doing at your institution with completeness. So it's not as easy as having the surgeon just say, okay, we're signed up. We have a business associates agreement with AJR and push the button and everything will be great. You know, things fall off the radar. What's getting submitted might not be what you or he or she thinks is getting submitted. So there needs to be a relationship with the folks at the hospital who are going to be responsible for this. And this new data set on the completeness of data elements will really facilitate that. Thanks for that, Hutch. And I do hope our listeners understand we're talking about data input and analysis and comparisons. It's not just for research purposes. Even surgeons who don't do any research or aren't, aren't interested in the research aspect of things can still benefit, obviously, greatly from uh, having this at their institution and using it simply for the reasons that we mentioned before when it comes to you know some of the performance uh, measures and, and outcome reports and so forth as well. So I don't want that to be lost on folks. I feel like that was one of the uh, early uh, knocks on the AJR, if you will, that wasn't really true. So this has been a great update, Hutch. Is there anything else that uh, you, you wanted to add about the AJRR for our listeners that we haven't touched on yet tonight? Yeah, so the only thing I'll add is about the patient-reported outcome measures. So just so everybody knows what the penalty is, as I said, it's steep. You have to have 50% of your Medicare fee-for-service patients over a three-month period. So it's April, June, and July of 2024 that you have a preoperative prom on and then one plus or minus two or three months. So that's a big lift, as I said, but the penalty is this. So every year, Medicare gets what they call an annual payment update for the hospitals. So that's a percentage that varies from one and a half to 4%. It's based on a number of different factors, inflation and the like. And that's how much more the hospital is going to get paid for CMS fee-for-service patients. And that's broken down by what they call the annual payment update. So the penalty, if your hospital does not hit 50%, is 25% of the annual payment update. And that 25% is not just applied. It's not the 25% of just hip and knee replacement patients. It's all Medicare fee-for-service patients at the institution. So that in larger institution, we're talking seven figures. And the other kicker is that if you fail to hit the 50% for this performance measure, your hospital is not allowed to participate in any of the value-based purchasing programs through CMS. So that's a double whammy. So if you're not aware of this and you haven't gotten your ducks in a row, so to speak, you definitely need to do that now. And AJR is definitely here to help you. We have multiple ways that you can get your patient-reported outcome data to AJR, whether it's directly from your hospital or whether through preferred vendors. But we now have the ability to send that directly to CMS for you, and you will get credit for it. So that's another big draw that's for great. You. But yeah, other than that, I don't have a lot more to tell you. I do certainly appreciate you taking the time today and happy to touch on anything else if you have any questions. 
Well, thanks, Hutch. You know, it's always great talking with you. And like I said, I'm really proud of where AJR has come to and excited about where it's going to go in the future. So I appreciate your efforts, along with everyone else on the steering committee and the staff uh, that are involved with it to, to make it what it is today. And really what it is, is a big tool that can help us out and, uh, you know, kind of save us from ourselves, so to speak, as we try to march, uh, march forward uh, in terms of the value-based care. So thank you again for your discussion tonight. Uh, appreciate all the updates. Uh, thank you, our listeners, for another uh, wonderful AUKUS Amplified podcast, and we look forward to you tuning in next time. Thank you for joining us for AUKUS Amplified. Visit AUKUS.org to learn more about how members of the American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons educate, advocate, investigate, and perform humanitarian outreach in the field of hip and knee replacement surgery.